Hey, it's Chris Bleck. This week's conversation is with Matt Luongo, who's the lead developer of TBTC, a project that allows you to bridge your Bitcoin from the Bitcoin blockchain to the Ethereum blockchain. In reality, what it does is it lets you lock your Bitcoin in a wallet on the Bitcoin blockchain, and then it creates a token for you on the Ethereum blockchain that represents that Bitcoin. It's a cool project, a useful project. Matt is a great guy to talk to in this space because he's very upfront, very respectful, very open about um, the good and the bad about the DeFi on the Ethereum blockchain. You're going to enjoy this conversation. At the end of the conversation, we also get into TBTC and recent issues it's been having, a bug that it experienced, the implications of that, and difficult choices that Matt and the team had to make about the future of the project. So listen to the whole thing. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Before we get into it, I want to talk to you quickly about BitRefill and how you can use it to stay private with your mobile phone. And it's really just a few easy steps. Go to bitrefill.com, click on eSIMs, choose the country that you're in or the country that you're going to, choose the plan. I'm going to choose five gigs, 30 days, add to the cart, check out. When you get here, you might need to at some point create an account, create an email password, no first name, no last name, no phone number, nothing like that. It's just your email that this is associated with. Enter promo code Chris Bleck at this stage. You're going to get 5% back in Bitcoin rewards. Chris Bleck, no space. Click on the Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever you want to pay with. Click through to whatever wallet you're using and you're going to get a QR code. You pay the bill, you get the eSIM. You can use the eSIM anywhere in the world, whatever you chose. And like I said, it's only associated with the email address that you used. You might want to use a VPN for added security. Give it a try. Bitrefill.com, promo code Chris Black. Okay, we've got Matt Longo, who is a busy man, and I appreciate him making time. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks um, for having me, Chris. Can you like give the quick rundown? Because you're you're uh, involved. You always you always have your hands in like a lot of stuff, and I don't want to yeah. mess up your intro. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I'm the the founder of Thesis, which is a uh, crypto venture studio, and so that means we start a lot of projects, which is why I'm always busy. And uh, that means uh, Fold, which is a Bitcoin back rewards card. Um, TBTC, which I imagine we'll talk about a bit today here. Um, we were involved with, let's see, Saddle, Tahoe, uh, which is a wallet going after MetaMask. And then a bunch of new stuff. Um, one of them is called Embody, which is an encrypted period tracker. Another one's called, um, another one's called Etro, which is an ordinals play. So yeah, we do a little bit of everything. Well, we, we've spoken before a few times and, and you're one of the people, I'll preface the conversation with this, you're one of the people in this space that I respect highly and who's always forthcoming and honest and willing to talk about just about anything. Um, and TBTC obviously is, is the, the big, um, probably the highest profile thing you're working on right now. Um, and we'll get to that. I think we should talk about it um, sure. within like the, the hour that we've allotted here. But the reason that we um, decided to chat today was about some tweets. And let me just give some context, because I, I think that this is such an important topic, and um, we, we never get a chance as a community to talk about it, because, <clears throat> mostly because, developers are so busy, 
right? Like you had to stop developing, stop um, talking about developing, stop building, um, stop working on security sure. for this hour to be able to talk about this, right? Which is yeah. probably annoying as hell. Like, so you're like, why do I have to make time to talk about this when I could be building? I get it. Like, I get that. You don't have to say yes or no. I, I get it. I'm into it. <laughs> but yeah, no, but most people aren't. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit. <laughs> right. So the topic is do non-technical, I'll call them, even though it's kind of a vague term. I hate that term. But do yeah, non, do, yeah, do non-technical people. And I consider myself in that category. Okay. Sure. Um, and it's, that doesn't mean tech illiterate. It means sure. non-developers, non-builders as far as tech goes. Do they have a right to have opinions in this space that carry equal weight to those of developers? All right. So before we get into it, let me give the context of the tweets. So I retweeted somebody um, who was basically picking on me for um, for, for criticizing without ever pushing code myself, right? As far, I mean, as far as I pushed code, but as far as in the context of crypto yep. and building this kind of tech. So what I said was every single day, it's like having a politician saying, you can't have an opinion if you've never held office. And then I said, you do not have to be a developer to have a valid opinion on the direction of the crypto space. Your opinions don't become invalid just because you can't code. Okay. And I've got a lot more thoughts than that, but that's what I wrote. And then Matt, you replied um, with this. Agreed, except instead of a politician and a citizen talking about a shared interest in their country, it's a civil engineer and a motorist talking about their shared interest in an interstate bridge. Your opinions are valid, but if you learn a tiny bit more about engineering, you'll not only have valid opinions, you'll get to spank anyone who, who BSs and uses, quote, it's very complicated or, quote, engineering as an excuse. There shouldn't be a wizard behind the, the curtain or above reproach. That means tearing down the curtain, but it also means learning a little magic. So, and so the way you position that is very kind, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I see what you're saying. Um, before I go further, like, does that accurately kind of, do you want to flush that out a little bit? Yeah, like yeah, what you're yeah. There? Yeah, let me give you like a little bit more, uh, like my take on the history too. So the first time I really ran I mean, obviously, I've run to this my whole career as uh, a person with an engineering background who works a lot of different And it's very easy for specialists to trample on, uh, I mean, really just anyone, right? Say, oh, like, this is too, this is too complicated, or this is too this, or this is too that. And I mean, sometimes they're completely right. And sometimes they are full of shit. And, um, you know, and it's like, I, you're... Uh, you know, computer science degree or, you know, whatever you did since you were 12 in your mom's basement. Well, I guess that could be anything. But, you know, that doesn't justify um, not explaining yourself. And, uh, and I mean, in some systems, sure. Like if you, you know, if you live in a social system where it's like we will only speak to each other in binary or something, and, like you want to exclude anyone. Okay, sure. But like, for the most part, that's not how the world works, right? We have lots of people, lots of different walks of life. And, um, and so where I really saw this come to a head, where I think I learned a lot about it was, um, was with the block size debate in Bitcoin, because you had this sort of like populist, like, uh, let us use our block space, like, 
tear it down, why do the core devs decide kind of movement. But then it also turned into that populist side ended up going corporatist. And then and then the people actually switched to side of the core devs because they were like, oh, well, if there are a bunch of companies over here, I mean, it was way more complicated than this. But, you know, if there are a bunch of companies over here on Segwit2x, like I'm starting to feel a little uncomfortable about this. Maybe this is the wrong place for us. And all of the technical nuance and everything else really got beaten out of that discussion and it became politic. And, um, you know, the way Bitcoin works, you know, if someone can't make a decision, just nothing changes. Like everything grinds to a halt. And, uh, and that's why I like it so much, <laughs> right? But that also makes, right? That also makes it really, really hard to make changes. And it makes it easy for someone, if you want to make a change and you're not popular with like whoever's currently well-known on the developer side, it does get political. And so like you'll have someone who feels like, a, you know, like Jeremy Rupert or someone who's being completely legitimate and good faith and their stuff gets torn down. And I don't need to get into covenants or anything like that. It's just, there's this trade-off um, and anyway, I just feel like I, I worked with a lot of the people during that, and it's like everyone was wrong, right? Um, okay, cool. Small blocks are good. Small blocks are good for Bitcoin. Here's a lot of reasons. But um, you should be able to convince anyone who is a participant on the network why that is. Um, similarly, if you want to do something fancy and new, you should be able to convince anyone. So, so yeah, I guess I just, I just saw a lot of uh, polemic and a lot of fake engineering um, on both sides. And since then, that kind of, when, when people just say something's very complicated or they can't explain it, I, I, I usually think that means either they don't understand it or it's in their interests not to explain it. Yeah, I find that too. I've gotten that a lot yeah. myself, having criticized a lot of projects in the space. I guess from my point of view, it, there's a little bit of, um, um, I, I almost look at it as philosophy almost. And um, there's a major thought process behind crypto that almost transcends the tech, right? Like as far as when you think about Bitcoin, you think about why people respect Bitcoin, why people appreciate it and use it and almost worship it sometimes. Um, yes, it's about the tech, but even more than that, it's about what the tech enables, right? So, and, and I always, my, my thing I like to say is that I think puts it in perspective is that Bitcoin was not a technological revolution as much as it was a philosophical revolution, right? Because it, for the first time, it gave us the ability to think about technology in a very specific way, you know, and we That's know that. Great. Yeah, we know that a lot of the tech that, that makes Bitcoin happen already had existed, right? There was some stuff that was innovative, but a lot of it... So it just had to be put together in a specific way to, to make the, the blockchain revolution occur. Um, and it's that philosophy and that thought process that, that brought all of us here, whether or not we know how to code, right? Yep. So now we're in a position of wanting to grow adoption and wanting the world to adopt this technology. And we all know that the world is mostly comprised of non-programmers, right? Um, and probably the majority of the world we could say is tech illiterate. 
as okay. far as how stuff works. You use your iPhone, no idea how it works. You use your computer, no idea how it works. Like TV, it's more and more everything. difficult to know every year because people keep studying right. these abstractions. Yeah. Right. So from my point of view, I'm thinking about um, we're going to quickly reach the point where, pe where people's lives depend on this technology, kind of the way it does with banking yeah. or with, I mean, plumbing, like your water that comes into your house, right? Like you don't know how it gets there. You just know you want clean water and you, you know you have a right to clean water and you know sure. that somebody needs to monitor it and you know somebody needs. So you don't need to be a plumbing expert to know that you need clean water, right? And for, for your example too, like you said, um, it's like a civil engineer versus the motorist talking about uh, a bridge. The, the motorist knows they want a safe bridge. They want to be able to get across the bridge. They want the bridge to be open. They don't know how to build the bridge. Yep. Um, so from my point of view, I feel like that's where I come from. Like I come from that perspective. And I think it's a good analogy, the, the motorist versus the civil engineer. But I don't think that that makes the motorist feedback any less valid. Totally. Do you? No, no, I agree. I mean, but I think, I think you can imagine that conversation, right? What is safe? And I think that's where it starts getting like, well, what do you mean by this? What do you mean by this? And I mean, some of those answers are quote unquote technical and I, I hate that dichotomy, but like some of those, you, you know, are closer to like engineering principles. Some of those are common sense. And, um, I'm just a firm believer that if you're asking someone to trust work that you've done, you should be able to explain it where they are. What I like about the, about the bridge example, I tried to make it as many, as many, <laughs> there are some like funny things that are, that are kind of off about that, right? So one is like, well, do you have to go over this bridge? So when you're talking about a politician in your country, they're elected, you're, you know, you, uh, you know, we are, we are uh, under the tyranny of the political class, right? So, um, so there's all sorts of things about uh, what's right and what's wrong and, and ethics here that I think are interesting. But you're talking about this bridge, I mean, especially if you can imagine there were a couple uh, and you could choose, um, it, it becomes a little bit more apparent. Like, why do I believe this person? You know, um, was there an accreditation process? Is there an outside third party that audits bridge designs? Are there, um, you know, do you have to like get a shiny badge and, and a diploma to be a civil engineer? Um, and then I think there's also, you know, we've seen that, I mean, I'm in Atlanta and I've seen that part of Spaghetti Junction, which is a, a huge am amalgam of bridges, uh, a little bit, uh, not too far from where I am right now. Um, you know, there was a fire and, uh, and, and, and part of a bridge was damaged uh, beyond use. And um, I think some people would say, no, your bridge really should be okay if there's a small fire under it. And, uh, and I think that that's something that anyone common sense could have thought about but it was outside the engineering parameters, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess I guess moving to like kind of the second part of my point, though, of course, of course your opinion's valid. Um, and I think that what's cool about crypto is we can all vote with our feet, you know, and exit. At least that's my hope. That's why I'm building in this space. Um, but the other part is uh, there's not an accreditation process. So... There is no reason um, to believe anything that anyone tells you in this space. Um, you, I mean, other, other than the normal human reasons, oh, this person's been around a long time, or I liked them on podcasts. I don't know. Like, what are, what are you know, um, 
and so that's why you know when I said learn a little magic, it's like um, usually there's something to it if you feel abused by a group of people or like people are are tugging your chain. They probably are, um, and I've seen devs do it across the space. Um, but you have to you have to learn just enough to know to call bullshit, um, because otherwise it just becomes um, pure populism, right? Which I think. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. I think I do know enough to be able to call. Yeah, I'm not. And by the way, I'm BS. not challenging. <laughs> okay, because I want to talk about because I'm, I, you know, for me, the best example of all this is me. Yeah. You know, and so from my my perspective, um, I encourage transparency, obviously, and I I I have my own standards for what I believe is decentralized enough for myself, and that's what I share, right? And so. For instance, if I go out there and I explain to people this fact about Chainlink's multi-sig, right? Chainlink has a multi-sig. It's four of nine, whatever it is. It could be used to, you know, blah, blah, blah. All I have to say is that. Totally factual stuff. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, not documented very well. In my opinion, um, not explained at all by the projects that are using Chainlink. <clears throat> but... The pushback that I get is, I'm not a security expert like Sergey. Uh, I'm not a developer. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so therefore, my opinion is invalid, and nobody should listen to me. You nobody know. should listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying facts. Yep. Okay. And then the pushback is, people should not listen to it. And and it's not just the the token holder losers on Twitter. This is coming from like developers in the space. This is coming yeah. from other people who should know better. Um, but and it's not just Chainlink either. I've gotten the same pushback. I've gotten that kind of message back from developers that are working on layer two projects like Optimism. You know, like you, I will go you out. You don't get it. I I, I bet you that in the Bitcoin community, this doesn't happen quite the same. Well, Bitcoin community <laughs> doesn't have many problems like this. I'll. I, I do think I have gotten it when I talk about mining, yep. you know, and when I talk about centralization there, you know, um, and when I've asked about, I mean, there's certain things where it does touch a nerve. The pro, that's when it happens when you touch a nerve, yep. you know, and that's when I know I'm on the right track. But do you think, and going back to what I was saying before, I mean, we expect the world to use this tech. Yep. And it seems like there's a lot of people that want to create this developer class that kn that knows more than anybody else. But the message I'm getting from you is that you don't obviously you don't believe that should exist. Um, but we can never expect like a lawmaker to be at like right. a dev's level of understanding. Yeah. I, I I guess I guess how I feel is like, look, if we all live on chain, and um, magic is possible on chain if you learn certain incantations um and my whole uh life worth like my my savings are there like i'm probably gonna learn a little right just because i don't want to be i don't want to be subject as like world. a non-technical yeah. person you're talking yeah, totally. about okay. so so for example um one of my uh i didn't ask about this first all talks too hard but but uh, but someone that I've worked closely with over the years, um, you know, six seven years, um, isn't a developer. Uh, she has a marketing background, um, and I would put her up against any 
on-chain analyst I've seen on Twitter in terms of tracking down what's really going on, digging into Etherscan, called it, doing some weird shit. And it's just because uh, she decided that she wanted to make money in DeFi. And that quickly turned into, you know, she has no formal training. Uh, as far as I know, she's never written any Solidity or anything like that. But it doesn't matter um, because she was so interested in making sure that she was safe that she kind of picked up the skills. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot else to what you're saying here, right? So there's like the, if you want to be self-sovereign, you got to learn. But there's also a bunch of people are taking advantage of the fact that they're not being straight about how their system and um, it doesn't take a degree to understand what four of nine means. You know, it means less than right. the majority of people are, are, are needed or keys, not even people, right? That's a separate discussion, but less than the majority of keys are needed to, to do whatever this thing has the power to do. And I think that's very straightforward. Um, and I think that there's like a real DIY, like punk ethos to crypto. And when people say like, trust the devs, it's, a huge eye roll moment for me because like why the f why are we here we're just moving from one trusted system to another and i mean i guess at some scale eventually people aren't gonna do any of their own diligence anymore but i don't think we're there yet so i think um shitting on someone because they want to like actually verify uh seems pretty counter to our ethos yeah well and and i there's Plenty of people like that who are um, around on Twitter and elsewhere, you know, who are trying to share thoughts and who are not developers like myself. The people I'm talking about, though, is the majority. And the majority of people that use this tech don't do that level of research. Like, yep. and, and they're not encouraged to do that level of research by the ones who are building the tech, you know? So they're, they're coming in. And these are the people who like fought, will follow me and be shocked about you know the multi-sig here or the 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 voting centralization here. Um, they're the ones who who come in with the expectation of Bitcoin level decentralization into like DeFi on Ethereum and don't see it. So as as adoption grows, that's the segment that's going to grow. The segment that's going to grow is not the segment like like us tech savvy people who like yep. know what's going on. It's going to be the group that like you're like like my sister, or my mom or something who like don't understand the tech but know that okay, now I've got to use it. You know, now I've got to use this. I'm probably going to use it through a front end that uh, that abstracts away everything that's difficult, doesn't explain the fact that it's all relying on Chainlink, yep. doesn't explain the fact that there's a DAO that can totally nuke everything. Uh, those are the people who I'm worried about and they've proved those people have proven over and over and over to us that they don't care and they're never going to care. Yeah. Right. But they deserve it just because they don't care. doesn't mean they don't deserve to know. That's my point. Yeah. 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 Right? I hear so, that. I mean, and, and then, but then you look at answers, right. And this is where like regulatory regimes, like this is why they exist. And that is not right. me saying like, for me, the way that I feel a lot about a lot of that is like live by the sword, die by the sword, right? Like that is not how I want our space to be governed. But if we don't find our own path, that's what's going to happen de facto, right? It's like it'll, they'll just get closer and closer and closer because, because we're not adults <laughs> and we're not doing it ourselves. So, um, yeah, and I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a, a center here too, and I can I can talk about all the reasons, right? This has been difficult. So, 
when, we, when you and I first talked about uh, TPTC v2 when it released, I said, look, here are all the things. Just ask, I'll tell you, here are all the things, um, you know, that need fixing. And I'm looking around and I'm still not, I'm like, oh man, is this list on the site? Like it's in some GitHub. I mean, it's all public. It's in a GitHub and there's like an issue that's tracking other issues and you can see it all. But, but like, do people understand like the gravity and the, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, earlier when I said, I bet you don't get a lot of this in Bitcoin, obviously part of the reason you don't get a lot of this in Bitcoin is because people have fewer bags. You have your Bitcoin bag and that's it on, on the, on the Bitcoin side. But I think the other reason is, um, when I first started doing work in Ethereum, I was shocked at how everyone would use the present tense for the future. Like it was the, it's the most egregious over-marketing I had ever seen, especially 2017, early 2018, where people would say, you know, X is a decentralized this, 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 this. And what they mean is in 12 to 18 months, if everything goes well. Ah. And we didn't get so rich that we left the project. This project could be, maybe, you know, there's like all these qualifiers. And yeah. then, and, and, and you know, I, I think a little bit of that is probably just, maybe that's just what marketing is. But, um, but, but I had never experienced that. And I'd been doing tech startups before crypto. It is, that is marketing. And it's in every other type of tech, that's what you would expect, right? You would expect, and my background is in marketing. Like I was a marketing director, growth guy, you know, for, for many years before ever getting into crypto. And, uh, you know, that, that's the way you would market something. And that's, if you hire a marketing person, that's what they're going to do. They're yeah. going to try to use catchphrases and buzzwords and, and this and that and the other thing. Um, but the difference here with this tech is the finality. That's what I, I like to go straight to what's the, what's the problem? The problem is the finality. None of this would matter if you weren't dealing with irreversible transactions that could drain your life savings if you're not careful, right? And so that's the big difference between this and every other kind of technology. So it, it requires, it necessitates a higher level of, of integrity uh, and honesty and transparency from yep. the people who are building it. From the you know that, that's not just the devs; it's the entire team. It's the marketing, it's the growth, it's the yep. social media, it's the the you know the, yep. the public relations, everybody. But you know what? What we need to do as participants in the space, like separate from like builder or pundit or or a growth person or marketer or whatever, is um, you know actually give plaudits to projects that are doing that because it's it's pretty uncommon that a project is just like overwhelmingly honest. You're like, oh yeah, more of this, and they rush in, right? No, people are like, oh, this says absolutely nothing, but like Andre posted it, so I'm gonna ape. And I think that, um, right? You know, there's a real skewed incentive, especially, especially if uh, your time horizon in the space is one or two years, and then you want to be rich and exit, versus someone who wants to be around for two decades. You know, so I think, um, I don't know, I don't have an answer necessarily to all these issues, like. I know there needs to be more self-regulation. I know that we as users uh, need to demand more. I think there probably need to be some standards. Um, but I, I won't go too into it, but we watched an auditing arm recently at Thesis, and part of what we'll be pushing for is standards for audits. Um, and I hope that uh, just like legibility and human readability are a big part of that. Um, 
I won't speak for the team. They have their own plans. But, you know, right now, if you look at an audit report, it means next to nothing for most people. Um, I have been through at least uh, maybe 10 audits at this point. And when I go through an audit report, I still don't know that it means that much. Um, so, yeah, so there's there's a yeah. lot of missing pieces. Most people don't read the them, government the will. Yeah, no, no, they'll tops they'll look at a page and see if there was one which is like and most users will never know it exists um i mean there's been projects that have raised uh or gotten to to millions maybe tens of millions or maybe hundreds of millions of dollars in tvl uh with audit reports that specifically say you know high severity stuff or like the owner can drain all funds you know stuff like that it's right there like it's happened and people have no idea it could be linked from the homepage. No idea. Yep. No idea. Um, there's been projects. I mean, but on the flip side, some of it's so obvious. Like, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was a project called um, DeFi Money Market. Do you remember that one? I do. They were, they launched a project, a DeFi, pro, a DeFi project, where they, um, what was it now? They had, they had car loans. They were making car loans. So people would, would bring their used car to this company, um, put up their title, get a loan, right? And then you were uh, lending the money to this company to give the loans. And the collateral are the car titles. So the yield you're, you're, you're earning is from the person paying their loan. So my question the whole time was, how can we verify that these car loans actually exist, that they're real, that, um, you know, they're obviously not on chain because we don't have that kind of technology. Um, common sense would dictate to any person that there is a massive level of trust here that you're having to put in these people. And odds are this is some kind of a scam, which it, I forget how it, I know it ended with them not existing anymore, but I don't know if it was a, a scam or not. I forgot. <laughs> but I mean, there are so many of these that it's hard to, it's hard to track like, this point i'm just like yeah. i just look at the wrecked leaderboard because i because it's so hard to track <laughs> yeah. up all, the, all the all the stories but yeah i mean well my point with that one was that people still put money into it yeah so it's like even when it's totally obvious that it's a a, a total probable scam yeah people still put money in so it almost like that's the the hard part it's like i want to push for trend i would like to see a pop-up on every d5 front end that explains exactly how you can lose your money. You have to acknowledge it before you continue. But I'm not sure that that would stop a lot of people from from doing what I they're doing. I think if they thought they were going to make a buck, they'd click right through it. Um, right. And I'll tell you, I mean, I don't, I'm not like prepared to like pull it all up, but we've done some pretty intense like user education efforts on on some of the projects we work on, and uh, you'd be shocked at how you're like, wait, you took a fee? Yeah, it was right here. Here, it's explained in the interface, and you had to click acknowledge. There are two spots. No, 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 but I want that back. What? How? Like, it's a, we can't, what do you mean? <laughs> like, and I think, um, you know, I, I like to think of our space as like, how can we help people help themselves? So a lot of, a lot of tech is about how can we help someone big be more efficient? Um, that's what a lot of AI is about. That's what a lot, a lot of these things are like. How can we, or how can we fish these data lakes? How can we make money off size and make more than our competitors? And what I like about crypto, at it's very, very best, 
is that your job um, as dev in the space is to help people help themselves. So, you know, when you go to sign a transaction, it should be explained to you in as plain English as is possible. Um, when you go to use a DAP, uh, you need to actually know what you're doing and, and, and it needs to tell you, like, what are you actually doing? Um, but it's like, well, if we can't trust the DAPs to do this, all I see is I see standards uh, throughout the community that we can like thin rest style that we can start kind of you know self regulation pushing, and then I also see like products like wallets actually have an opportunity to be antagonistic, right? So instead of just being like yeah sure sure we'll sign whatever, be like actually, do you know how DeFi MoneyMaker works and like maybe give you like a little extra opportunity? But at the end of the day, I mean. I don't want to say people want to lose money, but it certainly feels that way in a bull market. It's like, do you, you know, do you, do you want to just give your money away? Because all I think, um, you know, I think people are so the FOMO gets so high that common sense just goes right out the window. Yeah, yeah, we we see that a lot, and it's those people, the people who know better, but do it anyway. That um, I get the most nervous about because they're the first ones to call in the regulators, right? Or they cry to their congressperson. They're the people who uh, create the problems that we have to deal with, you know, with regards to privacy, with regards to um, a lot of this stuff. So, you know, that's going back to what I was saying before about, I think every website should have a warning. Um, I'm with you in that. I think that people... I'm not about, I don't want government regulation, right? I Like I am anti, um, you know, getting government involved because government just decides stuff and, and then that's it. I think that people should have access to the information they need in order to create their yeah. own risk profile and then to judge each project by their own risk profile. But I've evolved and I used to think, okay, it's up to that person to seek it out, right? It's up to them to look for it. I used to think that. But my my opinion has changed a little bit. I'm still a libertarian, okay? I just want to get that out of the way. Like, I believe people should be able to decide for themselves. But I also believe that people cannot be expected to know what they don't know, right? right? It's like, we should expect that people will be jumping into this space and using it without knowing what they don't know about it, without understanding what they're using, the same way they do with other types of tech. Phones, TVs, whatever, plumbing, whatever, you know. So, but again, the difference here is the finality. Once it's done, it's done. There's no customer service to call and get your money back. Uh, so, I think that we have to find a way to be proactive in explaining to people what those risks are. And nobody's adequately doing it right now. Nobody. And while it's probably come the farthest as far as trying to explain to people so far um, certain things. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that a lot, most of these people that we're talking about are not going to be using, they're not going to be using self-custody. They're not going to be, they're going to be coming in through exchanges and interfaces like glossed over front ends and um, that may even be offering them some form of service, a layer on top of, you know, the the actual blockchain layer. Um, but those are the people who um, who won't understand, who will lose money, who will go crying to government and get the government to come after the the people who are responsible and who do want to use it, you know, on their own without that type of, of oversight. 
And then the tyranny of the majority is real. Like we're going to have to cater to the lowest common denominator ultimately. Um, that's the way I think about it. I think that the, my, the, and this is what motivates everything I do is that the tyranny of the majority is something that's going to, going to come no matter what, you know? So if the majority is as totally ignorant of how this stuff works, they just want it fast, cheap and easy. Yep. It's going to centralize and it's going to be forced to centralize by the regulators. They're like decentralization, too much of it could become illegal. But, you know, it, it could. No, I mean, even, um, even, even things like security standards, like that sounds good because it's self-regulating. But that also raises the bar for people entering a space. So it's like, okay, so I basically have to get an angel check to ship anything in DeFi because otherwise I can't afford it on it. You know, that's messed up too. Um, it's a thorny problem, and I don't, philosophically, I don't think that there's a satisfactory answer. At least I've never found one in my life. I do think, though, that if we can't find a way to better clean up our act, we're just going to get trampled on. Um, That's the default. Yeah. The default is, is regulation. Yeah. And all historically, it's always been the way it's gone with every industry. Right. It's like they ultimately get controlled by regulators. Just look at cars. People wonder, like, why are cars getting so expensive year after year? It's because regulators every single year force new types of technology that you may or may not want in your car. You ever wonder why every car now has a rear backup camera where it didn't before? Do you think that's free? No, you're paying for that. The price of the car goes up with every new thing that they're forced to add in. Uh, and it goes on and on. You know, they regulate light bulbs now. They regulate everything. They you regulate your TV. They regulate everything. So they're going to regulate this. The question is, what will that regulation look like? And we could do as much lobbying as we want. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of lobbying we do as far as preserving our rights. All that matters is what people want, what the majority wants, right? And the majority currently just wants cheap fast and safe that's it right so if the majority only pick two of those three things you know like typically cheap fast and safe i think you can have all three no no, no, i don't mean you can't anywhere in the world i just mean well is (laughs) it i've had funds frozen in paypal no i just so when i when i you know throughout software that's my favorite you know cheap cheap faster or or, uh or quality you know and um and I, and I would say pick two. And it's like a common trilemma that people run into with software costs, but you see it pop up everywhere. And so, yeah, people want it. But um, one of the ways to get there is through heavy monopolization. Like if you want something to be cheap, um, yeah, you get really, really, really big. So you subsidize everything and it'll be really, really, really cheap. So anyway, I sorry, just a, a bit of a rabbit hole there, but I, I, uh, I don't know if we can have all those things. I mean that's what the like a like a layer two like like Ethereum layer two yeah which which I layer think two, that's which layer two gives you all three of those things. <laughs> all right, hang on, because uh, what I was saying was the monopoly part. I think that it is the goal of every layer two to have a monopoly ultimately Perhaps. to own the space or own at least a part of the yeah. space, you know, and, and have a specialization of some sort, cheap, fast, and safe. Okay, which layer to offer? Well, I mean, if you're going to say that a lot of people would say that it's safer 
to have a nine of 12 security council multi-sig like Arbitrum has uh, than it is to have a decentralized, um, you know, a, a ir- you know, sort of irreversible piece of code floating around out there. So it's it's really safe has become a controversial sort of term, right, in this space because pe- people can't agree fully right. on. I don't think it's safe to have a multi-sig like that, but a lot of people yeah. do. Where do you stand on that as far as the layer two? I mean, go? the way that I look at, do you think they're doing what, everything that they can? Hey. Um, do I think they're going? Well, I mean, no, <laughs> no, not at all. I, I'm okay. not like I mean, I'm not going to like go off and on and rant on any specific one or anything. But I do think that um, there are some pretty obvious trade offs that have been made to get to market faster. And I mean, like the one of the most obvious ones, right, is uh, optimism with fraud groups, and uh, and then like sort of the pivot to OP stack. And look, as like a business person, I'm like, you know, you need to pivot to where there's a differentiator. You need to go somewhere where people want you to be. Um, but on the other hand, uh, no, I mean, clearly they haven't done everything they could do. They're in the process. So I guess the way that I look at all of this stuff is, I mean, you know, uh, me from going from, from, from my first foray into DeFi with, with TPC V1 to V2. In V1, we were said everything has to be perfect from the get-go. What we found was that what we thought was perfect in some ways was, and then in some other ways wasn't. We didn't have product market fit. We had to move on. And now with V2, we've had to leave all of these shortcuts, training wheels that we're slowly fixing. And I think the issue, I mean, my issue with that is, do you fix them fast enough? And uh, do you have product market fit so it's even worth fixing? And then finally, do users have any idea? And I mean, I think the answer is probably not. Um, so yeah, so as far as all twos, do I think they're doing the best they can? I mean, I, I don't, I don't believe there are many people who are like full time jobbing in the space who are out to fuck user server. Like, I'm sure there are some. Uh, I agree. Right? Well, there's some. I mean, there's but like yeah, you know, most, most of them, yeah. them that have <laughs> you know they have they have proper jobs and they work at some sort of entity that's got some sort of funding and. And they're, um, I mean, I don't want to like get into the docs for a pseudonym, but maybe they're, at least they've been around long enough that we know who they are. I don't think for the most part they're trying to screw people over, but I think that the incentives are to get something out faster, get something out that's shiny and new because that's what users want. And then, um, and st- you don't, you don't get awards for being secure. You just end up not on the wrecked leaderboard. And I think that's, we got to figure right. out how to fix that. I think the other disconnect, though, is when, and this will pivot us to to TBTC a little bit, I think that I get major pushback when I call attention to the fact that a private company with, especially those that are venture-backed, you know, with lots of investors, have raised lots of capital and owe a lot back to investors eventually, um, a private company, corporation like that, uh, cannot be expected to put your liberty, your financial freedom, your rights ahead of their corporate interests. So. And I believe that that is a large driving f- factor and a reason that a lot of these layer twos on a lot of DeFi projects and maybe even TBTC, we can talk about sure. it, um, has chosen to retain some form of centralized control. 
because, especially with the layer twos, there's a lot of uncertainty still with standing with the government, right? As far as, you know, how's the government going to treat this tech moving forward? If the government comes and, and says that we're doing something wrong, do we have the ability to fix it or do we have to shut down our entire company and lose tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. um, in investment? Uh, you know, that's the part where it's so obvious, but people don't want to acknowledge it, you know, and it's, it's a, but it's, as far as the Ethereum ecosystem, DeFi, layer twos, all this stuff goes, it has to be acknowledged. And especially with the lawmaking side, because you've got these organizations out there, these trade organizations like Blockchain Association and DeFi Education Fund and these guys going to Washington, D.C., lobbying for laws you know, that directly affect our, yeah. our rights, they're completely funded by these corporations. Uh, these corporations' interests are going to come into conflict with ours at some point, of and we're going to lose, right? We're going to lose. They're going to trade away our rights for their, uh, for their interests, and we've seen it already where- Yeah, I've seen both sides know, of that play out for sure. Okay, so that's what I'm. That's what I want to talk yeah. about, you know, and then pivot that into TBTC because you guys have had some interesting stuff going on the past yep. month or yeah, two yeah, yeah. Um, that we can touch on. Yeah, of course. But I mean, initially, like, what, do you think I'm way off on any of this, or no, is it just well, common sense? I mean, sense? I think um, no, I don't think you're way off. I think that uh, it's really easy to. It's really easy when you're trying to draw attention to, and, and actually I wouldn't even ask you to stop this, by the way. It's really easy when you're trying to draw attention to um, security issues or, um, or issues of trust that a lot of people who are new to the space might not even understand or like, you know, they're so used to trust that they might not even understand why. You, you know, they might be like, oh no, no, it's decentralized. And then in the same breath, they'll be like, yeah, like two people can make the decision. And they might not even understand like why that's problematic. So I think that it's really, um, if you're if you're sort of like Cassandra, right, and you know the future, and you keep telling people the future and they keep ignoring you, you're going to get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. Unfortunately, in her story, it didn't make a difference how loud she got. She knew the future and no one would believe her, and that was the whole thing. Um, and so I think that if you're trying to draw attention to this stuff, um, uh, like sort of like a take no prisoners, assume malice attitude makes a lot of sense. Um, the funny thing though is you know you don't actually need to assume uh, malice when stupidity explains most of it and um, or ignorance or however you want to you know take that particular phrase on whose part well on, on a couple um, but I would say for for example um, most of these uh, companies who will choose their own fate over their users um I think that uh, a lot of them are being asked things like, you know, do you want to, will, will your personal, will you give up your personal freedom um, to like, which is very concrete, like maybe you have children, maybe you have family, will you give up your personal freedom and your personal future prospects um, for this on-chain address? And, um, and I'll tell you, uh, the reason that I'm in this space is so that if I'm ever asked that, my answer is, well, well I can't. Like, I, it doesn't matter if I'm, like, with you and I want to help you or not. I can't. I have, you know, we we build things that are neutral and uh, 
And it's not that I want to remain credibly neutral. It's that I just do not have, right? And so I think that's that's when the system works, right? And I, and it's clear to me that regulators understand that about Bitcoin and they're about there with Ethereum. Um, almost, you know, proof of stake injects some uncertainty. But um, so I guess that's one of my statements. It's like, you don't, you know, I think it's worth calling these companies out because to both say that you're decentralized, uh, but really to say that you're censorship resistant and then to have it demonstrated that you're not means that you either had to lie or you had to be wrong. One of the two, right? Um, right. So, yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is I do think people should get a really hard time for that, and I think that they should be held accountable. But I'm also saying that, you know, I don't know many people who would be like, yeah, I'll totally, I'll give up my future for this hex address. And I think that um, both those things are true. And what we have to do is we have to find a yeah. way to make it irrelevant. So, so what you're saying is it, just to make yeah, it exceedingly clear, please. the example you're giving is if a developer is approached by a state actor or, you know, somebody running one of these organizations, uh, yeah. a company. And actually, I mean, recently with, uh, the whole Thor swap thing that right. kind of was in that vein and Thor swap for those that don't know is a front end for Thor chain, which enables, uh, cross-chain native swaps so yep. you can swap bitcoin to ethereum without using a centralized exchange um they're just a front end though and they're approached by uh i don't know if we were told who they were approached by i don't Shadowy think we were Be uh, but yeah. the, f the fact uh, okay so you know the the claim was that uh the uh, hacker who stole millions from ftx was moving money using the uh, ThorSwap front end. Yep. And then uh, ThorSwap um, put their front end on pause, relaunched it with uh, government blacklists uh, that block sanction addresses, blocks anybody now that the government tells it to block. Yep. Um, they, and I gave them a very hard time for it, as did others, uh, but they made a clear trade-off, right? They, 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 so what, like what you just said, if they didn't do that, I think their fear, I don't know if they actually were told this, but I think their fear was that they'd be in trouble, that they would go to jail, that something bad would happen to them or their family. And to be clear, this is happening and, at the same time as, you know, Roman and the Tornado Cash guys are just getting wrecked. So even right. though they might not have been told that, there's reason for them to believe that, right? There's an object. There's a lot going on. Yes. Yes, It's it was it was done out of out of fear, yep. right? I mean, I think that, but it was also done out of self-preservation, you know, and I think that self-preservation should be expected from everyone. We're all built to preserve ourselves and to protect our families. Yeah. And like what you were just saying, like protect your family and you protect your family by preserving your wealth, by not going to jail, by not, you know, being let off in cuffs forever and never to be heard from again. So I think, and this is that, that, adversarial point of view that that bitcoin was built for right the idea that every human being on this planet if they're faced with the choice of self-preservation or self basically destruction they're going to choose self-preservation if they can if they yeah, have the ability people. to do it yeah. and i think you know i'm not trying to malign the character of anybody here but i th and i like these guys 
But I think that if the developers of Tornado Cash had a way at the point where they were faced with, you know, go to jail or do X, Y, Z. Yeah, they would have done X, Y, Z. They would have done X, Y, Z. But they didn't have that option because they couldn't. So now, would they, if they had a choice, would they go back and build it in? Probably. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) but the reason is complicated enough, right? That it's like, it's hard, it's hard to. It's hard to generalize because there's so much that's new about what's going on with Tornado Cash. Yeah. So we'll see. But um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess where I'm at is I think that the reason people leave control is uh, either com- the what you said earlier, where some people believe a nine to twelve is safer. So I think there are some people who believe that. Um, I've worked with some uh, lawyers. Law- well, yeah, definitely plenty of lawyers. <laughs> but I, I've worked with engineers who. And like empirically, there's a lot of reason to believe that's true. Like, why are you the one who can build the thing that doesn't need that? Um, yeah, it's safer. Yeah, so so I get, I get. It, it's safer from bugs. Yes. Yeah. Not from human integrity, Correct. not from self-preservation, Correct. but from bugs. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And um, and so I think that there's, I think that there's that, but then there's also like a. Uh, I mean, you've got to find a way for your power to expire. You know, your power. Maybe it's not a single developer. Maybe it's a bunch of the community. And then maybe you just give it all to the DAO. And it's like, okay, do we really want a majority of token holders to be able to do this too? Um, so, I mean, I think the mistake that that we've made on TBTC is we've done two things uh, with V2 wrong that I would uh, fix if I could uh, snap my fingers and go back. Well, let me see. Let me be very specific with my words. Um, I think the two things that I would have done better, the V2 release, is... Uh, one, just a better explanation of the system. Still, it's quite difficult. People have to look at blog posts and no one wants to look at blog posts. Um, some part of me thinks it doesn't matter where I write it. People don't give a shit. But, you know, um, but I think one is... That's a problem. Right? It's, a, it's a real problem. But one is like... But it's fast. It's true, yeah. But it's like, uh, you know, if I invest $200,000 in in like, uh, you know, animated YouTube videos, then will they understand like, what you know, what level of investment and education do you need to make before people understand how the system works. So I think that's one that I would do more than we've done. Um, but then the other is a uh, timeline for the expiry of those multi-sig powers. Um, and I think that's something that I'm, I, I put forward a, a thought that the community is turning into a proposal for us right now. It's like, how can we, you know, what's cool about Bitcoin? Well, part of what's cool is that there's a fixed emission schedule that isn't going to change. And how can we get that sort of like programmatic assurance with some of the issues we're talking about now? At what point is the Security Council moot? At what point are we confident enough that there hasn't been a bug that, uh, you know, everyone's uh, just sort of gets locked out and um, that it's just like users running this thing? So I think, um, you yeah. know, that's that's really one of the things I'm trying to fix right now with with V2 is okay uh, when how long twelve months do you need twelve months without incident to be confident eighteen months how long before all these things can sort of fall away and you're talking about make it irreversible yeah. put it into the code yeah yeah I mean again V1 was yeah. a completely immutable code base and so this is like a question of when does code get finished but it's also a question of like when do we not need the ability to pause this subcomponent, um, and I mean the answer. If if you're if you're saying this is a temporary power, 
that we're going to include in the system for safety, well then, it should make sense that you can choose some amount of time after which the power expires. Right? I like the, I like the, the motivation. I like where you're coming from on it. And, uh, but I, I'm, I'm wondering if it's addressing the wrong issue, yeah, but- you know, in that, um, you know, I don't think the fact that the multi-sigs exist is inherently bad. I think that the fact that people don't understand the risks that they pose yeah. is bad. You know, so I just don't know how to fix that part. I think that, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So that's what I'm wondering, like, is an automatic expiry of your centralized control, that's, I don't know if that's addressing that problem as much as, I mean, it could be interesting from an organizational point yeah. of view, like it almost forces you to work faster and forces you to to get a lot done by X date. I like, I yeah. love that part. I'm not sure, um, and it could, I mean, maybe we'd see more projects with, with uh, decentralized, with more decentralization in a year or two if we did that. Um, but the projects like, the projects that are currently, like Arbitrum, for instance, not to pick on yeah, them, sure. but I mean, they're one of the ones, um, they're not gonna do that. You know, like their lawyers would never let them do that. Um, and uh, so it's, it's, I'm not sure. it's an interesting so, idea. So I'll, I'd love to I'll, see I'll it I'll just say, you know, without talking about any of my own conversations with, with my lawyers or anything, um, I don't know that I have met a lawyer who has said, oh, um, this button that you have that does something in the system, like it expiring, is that acceptable? I don't know that I've ever met someone like that. Now, what I have heard is um, if you host this front-end, I hear a lot of that. And I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of thoughts on just like, oh, of course you need to include monitoring. Just like as a blanket statement, and and I'm not, um, yeah, you know, not to harsh on any particular lawyers or anything, but I just, I guess, I wonder. At some point, you actually have to give your thing over to the community. You don't have to, I mean, but you, you should. should. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. <laughs> like I think you know, if you want to, if you want to avoid a lot of these issues, like if this just, if this stuff is just software, and you're not the one delivering it day to day. And you're not, you don't have some privileged uh, role you're, where you're the only one who can update it. You know, eventually, it, I just don't, I don't understand how you could possibly be squeezed. Like how Satoshi can't be squeezed for, for what Bitcoin does. And you know what? Uh, no. Vitalik? But he, he could be thrown in jail. He though. could be thrown in jail. But it's a stretch at this point today. Like it's not, if he launched the next Bitcoin tomorrow, there's some period of time where he could definitely get in a lot of trouble for it. But after some amount of time, right? And some amount of understanding. And I mean, the fact that we haven't seen, I'm sure Vitalik has had his, his like plenty of lawyer calls, but the fact that we haven't uh, really seen him get publicly threatened, I think is quite interesting. Um, anyway, I don't know. I guess I guess I just, I'm still yeah. an optimist about the space. And for me, that means there has to be a way for us to build immutable censorship resistant systems. And, you know, there was progressive decentralization. Um was this idea, and we've seen that most people don't have the the stones or the follow through to actually do the second part. They like the progressive part, right? Um, it's hard, it's man. Hard. I can't really even hard. imagine. Like, <laughs> I say it over and over. Like deploying immutable code on Ethereum that you know is going to get promoted and used heavily. Uh, like, I want to be there the moment that you next time you deploy code. 
I want to like live stream yeah, that. No, and I want to see that. And I want to see you sweating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say <laughs> you live stream it with like a three hour delay or something. Cause like, yeah, no, it, it, like the number of times where people do it and then they have to pull something back or, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. And there aren't that many teams who have done it more than once. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, before, before we run out of time, uh, I want to talk about TBTC sure. a little bit. So it's been, and now we're on TBTC V2. Yep. And for those who don't know what TBTC is, it's a it's a tokenized uh, form of Bitcoin on Ethereum. Uh, you can use the TBTC bridge, which locks your Bitcoin in a Bitcoin wallet on the Bitcoin blockchain, and then mints a TBTC token on the Ethereum blockchain, which you can then do whatever you want on Ethereum yep. with. You can swap it for something else. You could use TBTC for collateral, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that mechanism, that's a very simple way of explaining the bridge, yeah, right? And um, and it goes back now the other way too. So you can burn a TBTC token on Ethereum and receive uh, BTC on the Bitcoin blockchain. So um, so we can talk about for a minute the, yeah, the, the bugs? let's talk about it, of course. Okay. Um, so I can give you my understanding, Please. and it's also related to the the FTX hacker, and it was all around yep. the same time as the Thor swap uh, thing. And Matt wrote a a very open, honest, um, um, probably saying about ninety eight percent of what he could say in a blog post from October seventh called "The Tale of Two Bugs," which is on the um, blog threshold network. Yep, uh, you can follow link to it in the show notes. But basically, uh, what I gathered from this was the FTX uh, hacker, in quotes, um, definitely not SBF hacker. And like, who knows? <laughs> that, that's been the speculation. Yeah, I, I, I love that, that, but it seems I'm quite just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but whoever it is that had all that money uh, was trying to burn TBTC tokens for Bitcoin. Yep. Was trying to use the TBTC bridge to move, and they succeeded uh, into the Bitcoin partially. Yeah. Okay. So at the exact moment that they were trying to use that bridge, somebody out there in the world—and I don't know, Matt, if you have any more information, on what's in the blog post—but mm. somebody out there in the world started to send Bitcoin transactions uh, to the wallets that hold the Bitcoin, I believe, on the Bitcoin yep. blockchain. And actually, effectively, it was like a denial of service in a way, right? Like they clogged it up so that the bridge couldn't operate at the exact time that the FTX uh, hacker was trying to use the bridge. So it almost seems like somebody was trying to stop the FTX hacker I, from I, using the bridge. I really struggle to see it any other way. Um, I, the The timing is too... Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Like this has never happened to us before. We've had other redemptions, um, you know. So yeah, uh, I mean, no, what, what you said is 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 accurate. Uh, but I mean, the look. I on the one hand, it's like, oh, I don't want to speculate on some random on-chain thing, but it's just it's very difficult for me as a human who has been evolved to see patterns to think that these two things happening together was coincidence. Um, and I don't know that did it. Uh, I I didn't do it. I'm happy to share that. Um, uh, what a huge uh, pain in the ass it's been, but um, but also like I'm sort of impressed by whoever did it, right? Because the way that it went down, they would have had to very quickly pull out a zero day, 
on on the TPTC bridge, and it's not like a show-stopping bug. I mean, it's it's a show-stopper in the sense that there's a denial of service and the bridge is paused, but it's not like a, you know a real baddie where we would freak out um, or anything. Um, that said, I mean, obviously we did. We noticed what was going on. All hands were on deck. All of our monitoring systems went off. And then we got into the most uncomfortable position we could possibly be in, which is now we have a bunch of um, redemption requests that are queued up from the FTX exploiter, and our bridge is paused. So obviously we need to get the bridge unpaused, and we need to get the bridge fixed. Um, and this is the part where I talk about training wheels and taking them off at the right time. So, um, so here's the way TBTC worked, and I hope it won't work this way shortly, is we have a, uh, a contract called the Wallet Coordinator. And what the Wallet Coordinator does is, um, it sounds simple, but it's also very obvious what the problem is once I say it. Um, here, here's what a Wallet Coordinator does. So Bitcoin uses UTXOs, and as anyone who's done any, like, dev against Bitcoin, especially if they worked on an exchange or something that kind of looks similar to what TBTC looks like, is the most difficult part is UTXO management. So when do you merge UTXOs? When are you confident that you've received funds? When do you need to sweep them, right? Which is when basically you merge a whole bunch of UTXOs into, into one wallet. Um, so the way that TBTC does all this stuff um, is it can't do it. It can't do <coughs> all of it on chain and solidity. It's very expensive. If someone were to open, you know, 3,000 deposits simultaneously um, and all of this were managed on chain, no switch would happen. No UTXO management would happen. Um, but you also need all of your stakers to agree on what they're going to do. So uh, this is actually a really interesting comparison to ThorChain. So if we have 51 of 100 stakers that are required to move Bitcoin, that means 51 of 100 of those have to do something to manage UTXOs, which means they have to agree on what they're doing to manage UTXOs. So if you're if you're Thor Chain, what you've done here is you've built an entire chain, and its consensus mechanism is managing the UTXOs. I mean, they do other stuff in there too, but that's like a lot of it. And uh, and that stuff is way too expensive gas-wise for Solidity. We don't have our own chain. We have to do whatever the EVM will let us. So what we said was, okay, we're going to start with this wallet coordinator contract. And the wallet coordinator can have uh, multiple people who can run it uh, off-chain, multiple keys. And what the wallet coordinator will do is it will suggest sweeps, and then it will suggest uh, redemptions. So it will suggest actual Bitcoin withdrawals from the wallets. And, uh, and then the hope was that we would do this for a while, then we would add some more people to this contract, and then... Uh, oh, I should say one more thing. Just because something's been added to the wallet coordinator doesn't mean stakers will do it. So if someone were to add, like, redeem 2,000 uh, BTC to this address, uh, stakers are, 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 can just completely ignore it and, uh, and are programmed. Anyway, so we do all this, and uh, and then here's our fatal flaw. I feel like such a... I won't, I won't curse too much on this. I, I, I feel like quite a few uh, would, would be the, the, the PG way to say um, so we deployed, and we only had one wallet coordinator address. That was us. And by us, I mean Keep LTD, the Cayman subsidiary of the Delaware C Corp, that is Thesis Inc. We were the only ones running a coordinator. Does that sound How like a single point of failure? Oh, oh, no, I knew it. 
course I knew it. But how did we not add it, add, like add anyone else? That's, that's I think, what I'm the most um, upset about here. It's like, yeah, I know I knew it worked this way, but where was the plan to add two more, three more? And the DAO can still do this at any moment. Like, it doesn't need my permission to add more, uh, just like it doesn't need my permission to remove keep LTD. So it wasn't by design. It wasn't a, a, a point, a, an intentional choice. No, 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 no. It should allow as many as the DAO wants to add. <laughs> and it can't. It can't. But the DAO has but to add But the DAO has to add it. And so now we're in this position where it's like, okay, there was a bug. We have to fix the bug. I can either choose, like, Matt Luongo in the US can choose to suggest, like, basically go into the wallet coordinator and push these redemptions. Um, or we can leave it. So what happens if we leave it? What happens if we do nothing? What happens if we do nothing, and the way the system runs today, is that there's a 40-day, uh, uh, I want to say 42, I don't know, it's a funny name. There's a There's a 40-day period where after that, if the redemption hasn't gone through, there's a slashing of it. Um, and then uh, the TBTC goes back to the Redeemer. And the idea behind that design was pretty straightforward. Like, if you went to redeem and no one redeemed you, you should get your money back. And obviously, like, uh -huh. you have been hurt because, like, you wanted Bitcoin, you get it, but at least you got your TBTC back. So that's what we're in right now. We're in this period. So what we want to do is we want to get the bridge to a valid state. Um, so the first thing we did is we said, okay, uh, like, let's make that slashing period longer and make sure people don't lose their money over this. And then the second thing we did was we said, please, Dow. Well, I, I say first and second. I don't know if it actually went this order. These happened close together. Um, but we said, Dow, please uh, give us more wallet coordinators. And then at this point, who wants to be a wallet coordinator in a system like this that I've just described? So that's where we're at right now. Um, right. So, I, so can I just like some, yeah, make sure course, I have this right? Of course. Uh, before you go on, so just to relate it back yeah. to the FTX hacker guy, so his his transactions were basically queued up because of on the yeah. the little denial of, on chain because of the denial of service sort of zero day that some mysterious per party executed. Yeah, white, right? white hat, gray hat, and, or black hat, depending on your perspective. Yeah. Okay, so then because they were denied, they ended up like kind of in this queue. The bridge was basically just stopped for, for a while, all right? Because stopped. nobody could get anything Correct. through. So because they were sitting there, uh, it gave time for the wallet coordinator, which turns out is just your company. You got it. Um, um, it which uh is responsible for approving every redemption back to Bitcoin. Yeah, so, I, and I which is- probably wouldn't is, use the word approve, um, but it's responsible for putting- What do you call it? Yeah, this is the part where I have to look at contracts. Redeem. It's responsible for, um, so so here's here's why I say don't use, or why I don't need approve. So what it doesn't do is it doesn't go through each redemption request and say, this is good. That would be pretty dumb. What it does instead is it batches redemption requests as part of UTXO there. Now, in effect, it's almost the same thing. If you only have a single redemption going through it over time, again, this is something I feel quite dumb about. Um, so it looks like an approval, but really it's choosing which UTXOs to batch to a redemption. Sorry, continue. Okay, but the fact of the matter is at any point in time, it, it could have chosen to, to implement a blacklist yes, or censor absolutely. somebody yeah. or 
because of the fact that it's one party. Yeah. But even if it was five parties or 10 parties, it could still happen and could still happen. Yeah. So, um, but the fact of the matter is that the denial of service thing Lost. gave the wallet coordinator sort of a, a um, there was no longer like this plausible deniability uh, where the transaction could just go through and just happen because now everybody knows that this is this is a criminal air quotes we don't know I who don't, it is yeah. uh, and that this um, that it's uh, the government wants it stopped we can assume that because it's on some sort of list somewhere right so uh, which is the reason ThorSwap did yeah. what it did uh, so um, you felt compelled. Yes, to as a as a U.S. stop person, it from happening. Yes, I feel very compelled to not sign that uh, from a U.S. because of self preservation. You want it. You don't want to. Um... Now, okay, but okay. So, how how did that thought process go? Just I, mean, I don't want to assume shitty. anything. Uh, so so it, it, I mean, it went like this. Um, oh, that's an FTX exporter uh, address using our bridge. Okay. Um, oh, wow. ThorSwap is getting it used a lot. Ooh, okay. Um, what just happened to our bridge and why is it lost? That's how that went. Um, and at this point, we went from, okay. uh, well, the bridge is going to work as intended to, uh, oh, wow. Uh, we were just demonstrated a terrible single point of failure in our system. Uh, and it's funny, not in the system design, uh, but in the system parameters, right? So this isn't uh, something that showed up on an audit. This isn't, uh, uh, and obviously, in, in hindsight, feels incredibly obvious. Um, well, because it's so obvious. Yeah. How is it? Well, I mean, there are you didn't more know like that this. this could. So, like, uh, think about think about how the Miners and Guardians work. Think about you know, like, oh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think. Like I aligned a lot of that in my blog post yeah, on TBTC. No, I, didn't, you I know? didn't think a lot, but this isn't that. I didn't think a lot of. Uh, I didn't think that uh, someone would pull a zero day out um, and pause redemptions in our bridge, and that I would ever uh, be put in a position where I had enough time to question whether or not. Okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I didn't think that would happen. That was pretty extraordinary. So, so that's so the wallet coordinator shouldn't really have mattered. No. Because there should not have been enough time. Because how long, like, no, before the zero day, it's, it's instant it's, pretty it's, much? It's like, like, you a, know, transaction? Like, depending on how the, the price of Bitcoin, it's between, like, 15 minutes and an hour. That's that's it. And then it just does Okay. It's not a, we don't, we don't have everyone wake up in the middle of the night because uh, the bridge has gotten paused. This is going on. So, so moving forward, right, um, here's where I'm at. That's a fucked up mechanism design, and we can't keep using that, right? So, right. so clearly, like the fact that it looks—it's uh, not quite an approval process, but it's close enough from a, from like a security and centralization perspective. So, what I'm pushing for, um, or really what I've stated, and I hope that the DAO pushes for, is I want to move to a um, a veto, or really an objection mechanism. So everything by default goes through. Uh, Part of this is going to be very difficult on chain because we have to make sure that people can't just say, give me a thousand BTC on chain and that anyone could submit that. So this is kind of the hard part is we're going to have to find a way to programmatically be confident that anything people request is valid in the first place. So that'll be step one. And then step two is, uh, let's have a bunch of... When you say valid, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean valid, when you say like valid. Not a hack of the TBTC bridge. 
Okay, you don't mean illicit no, 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 or no, no, illegal. No. You I'm mean not, like this is okay. uh, this is a piece of infrastructure that shouldn't have thoughts on people's <laughs> private lives. You know, it's just supposed to like do its okay. job. So no, no. When I when I say okay. valid, what I mean is uh, you put TBTC in, and and this is the hard one. This is the part that's actually hard to do on chain. You specified the white the white the correct wallets, the correct UTXOs, and you gave us the correct script and the correct Bitcoin transaction so that this redemption can happen safely. Um, so like that means that you didn't ask us to spend a thousand BTC in miners fees. That means you didn't, uh, you, you know, combined the right UTXOs. It's, it's, it seems simple, but honestly, it's the, fir the first bug we had in TBCB one was around this stuff. It's, it's hard code to write. Um, so my hope is, and, and what I've, op what I've outlined is this idea called optimistic redemptions where we tighten that code up so much so that you can't submit a redemption request that isn't already. And, I, and it, it's pretty close. I think it's close there now, but it deserves a little more scrutiny. You can't submit a redemption request that is not already a valid state transition. So now there's no longer a need for a wallet coordinator. And then what we do instead is we say, okay, if we miss something, uh, there can be a bunch of people who can like veto, but veto is really a terrible word, object, I'll say, to a particular redemption. And the idea is that... Um, we still want the ability to say, oh, fuck, there's a bug. Um, but we don't want that forever. Um, we also don't want that to be unilateral. So my thought is that you have five, seven, 11 of these. Each time someone objects, a particular redemption can get delayed longer and longer and longer. Uh, eventually, it's just returned back to the Redeemer and TPTC. If enough people have said, no, I object. And then that power should expire um, within 18 months is the time that I'm, that I'm not lying. So that's what I'm suggesting uh, we move to. And what I like about that is if there's a hack, you can make sure there are people who are monitored constantly and who can object. Um, if there's, you know, the next FTX exploiter, well, maybe every, every, you know, we'll probably call this our veto or guardian or whatever. Maybe they all are like, no, 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 fuck you. And they try to bounce the thing out and it delays the time a little bit. Or maybe a couple of them are like, no, it's none of our business. And it gets delayed a little bit and it goes through. Um, and finally, we just take the training wheels off at the end of the period. And I think that's the thing that's the biggest issue here is, you know, we came up with this design originally because it was so hard to write this code safely. Now we've been bitten the ass. It's a huge flaw. Like the fact that the wallet coordinator worked this way, in my view, is a huge flaw in TPTC. Um, just like as a system designer, it's not a huge flaw for users. Like funds are safe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like I'm quite unhappy. Um, and then, yeah, I think I think we just need the training list to come off and it all needs to happen on chain. And it's just going to take a long time to get it there. So I just want to make sure I understand. Sure. So so in this new system, you wouldn't need the wallet coordinator because everything is, is cryptographically you proven will, to be valid. Yeah, there's like a lot of asterisks after that. You'll need something that looks kind of like okay. it, but you won't need a single party submitting anything. To the wallet. Yeah. Okay. So assuming that, we'll just abstract that away yeah. a little bit and just assume that that's true. Yeah. The, uh, what were you calling the other, the, the new parties? That would the be uh, Vito's. What, what we got right Guardians, Vitoers, Vitoers. Okay. yeah, or, or something. Okay. So the sole purpose of the Vitoers in that new scenario yeah. is to censor if, if there's deemed a necessary. Yeah. So if we... If, no, no, not just if there's a hack. Well, no, no, no. Sorry, for any reason. Be, <laughs> Let me be clear. 
Yeah. Whoever has that key can do whatever the hell they want. So we talk a lot about how yes. people, what people should do or what they will do or whatever. So let's put yeah. our black hat on all the way. No. People yeah. can do, can Please. censor whatever the hell they want if they're in one of those things. But the censorship is just a time delay, right? So it allows these people to stack yeah. the time delay. So if there's a hack, coordinate everyone, stack the time delay. Um, it gives us time to respond, figure out what's going on, et cetera. Ultimately, eventually, the transaction gets kicked back out and people get their TVTC back. That's the deal. And then I want to make that expire. Okay. And the reason, again, is the same. I mean, it's the same as the discussion we had about Arbitrum versus completely decentralized systems is like, yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, like, in the same way that I'm, I'm, uh, I don't want to see this bridge have a bunch of money disappear. And uh, it is very difficult to balance what we believe is a more secure design and censorship resistance. And we've got caught right in the middle of it. So, yeah, so that's my goal. Right. And then it will really depend. It's really about the, are these people awake? What is their ideological lean? Are they near a signer? All of the other questions that you would expect around how people make decisions. Okay. It's just important to, to recognize as we're talking about this, that this new mechanism is set up very specifically for compliance. For it be, it's, it's set up in a way to, um, to meet the needs of... It's built to the government's no, 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 speculations. No, I think you've got a little backwards. The system we've got right now is, unfortunately, much easier for government. It's much easier for anyone who, who wants to express... Well, the way it worked with right. the wallet coordinator, yeah, yeah. the fact that you could... So what I'm looking for is okay, I'm looking but, for an expiring uh -huh. alternative to what we have right now that will still allow us to stop a redemption if there is a bug that leads the whole thing going to zero. That is what I'm looking for. And if you want to look at that as uh, that's made for the government, okay. I'm very well, interested no, in an alternative system design that gives us the one thing and not the other thing. So if you have that, I mean... But the vetoers are there to stop also um, illicit transactions. They are there to stop. Right? Like a hack. They are the, no, no. For, when I say a hack, I'm specifically talking about the TPTC bridge. My version of this, if I were to okay. magically get every, everyone to do what I wanted, what I would like is people only block actual TPTC bridge hacks. Um, but that's really going to depend on the vetoers. But in this scenario with the FTX hacker, they would have vetoed. I don't know. The FTX. I, I don't know. These are imaginary people. Well, they would have because they would have gone to jail if they didn't probably because they're so? on the hook. So I mean, we got to assume the worst. I mean, so this is this is the part where where it's it's not. Maybe we shouldn't go there. I don't, know. Speculate. <laughs> I don't know. And we're almost out of time yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I think with this new mechanism in this situation, I, I'm not sure. What I do know is that um, the whole uh, the 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 bug that led to the bridge crossing has been fixed. What I do know is that. Um, there wouldn't be a single U.S. company making this decision. So those are the things that I know about this new mechanism. So those are two flaws that okay. I want to fix. And I do know that with this new mechanism, we can give it a time limit, and after that, it goes away. And I think that, uh, and that can be hard to do. So I think that's that's how I'm balancing this in my head. Because look, um, if the whole thing goes to zero, that is worse. That is worse yeah. than someone getting a redemption return, and erroneously perhaps. Yes. Um, of course. So yeah, so that's how that's how I'm looking at this whole thing, and that's the balance. Maybe it should be six months. Maybe it should be twelve. I don't know. Um, 
Yeah. The other thing that we're doing is, or that I'm suggesting, I don't have no idea what people are going to do. So I'm suggesting that the time delay goes down over time. So it starts with, you've gotten like an hour and then it slowly goes down to, okay, there's only a 15 minute delay where these people can, can be into them. And my hope is that that means like your moderator better be really good, you know, but, uh, that's the best I've got. I don't know if there's a perfect answer here. If we take off everything right now, there's not, right? it's it, it, yeah. Now the one, the one thing I get from you is you're doing the best you can with, with what you're dealing with. And it's like, <laughs> I hear you. But again, it goes back to the, the problem. The root of the problem is that you can make these changes, right? And you can uh, try to find ways to preserve I mean, yourself and I mean, your company, case, which it's your- In this case, the change I can make, let's be really clear, is not signing a transaction that helps the FTX uh, exploiter. That's the change that I can make. Right. Like hard power, just my company can make that change. These code changes we can't make yeah. alone. Um, this requires either the council or the entire data vote or any of these things. So, okay. thankfully, man, I appreciate you taking the time today. It's been a really great chat. I think it's gonna be valuable for a lot of people. Hey, you got it. Um, anybody who doesn't know about TBTC, I encourage you to go check it out. Read the the blog on Threshold Network. It's very good. Matt writes a lot of good stuff there. And uh, hey, man. Thank you so much. We'll, we should do this again sometime because uh, these conversations are too rare. You got it. In this space. <laughs>